the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. Be careful how you view serving Jesus. Jesus never promised His disciples that He will do everything for them. In fact, Jesus said, greater things you will do, okay? <laughs> After I left because the Holy Spirit's going to come. So there's this big mandate from each and every one of us to fill with our bodies what's still lacking, okay? Now, Jesus is not insufficient, but the church has been established in order to carry out the ministry that he left for us. Secondly, we proclaim the glory of Christmas by revealing his word. Revealing his word. Look at verse 25. I have come, I have become its servant, Paul writes, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now, that's a huge Christian commission. It's huge. It's a big piece of what we're about. We are to present to people the Word of God in its fullness. What is this Word of God that Paul was referring to when he said, you know, I'm going to present to you the Word of God in its fullness? Obviously, he wasn't referring to the Bible because when he wrote this, the, the New Testament has not yet been compiled and completed. What he's talking about is that the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus proclaimed, we also proclaim. We proclaim the word. The word is not a set of words, a set of documents. The word is Jesus himself. Jesus is the word who became flesh. He's the one that we're proclaiming. And you know what? We have God's divine word in us. We already know this because it's already been established for us in the word. So when we, when we reveal the Word to the world, we are revealing to them Jesus Himself through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul and all of us today can boldly declare the gospel. Did you know that? Did you know that the gospel will be declared by the church, by the people? It's not going to be declared by institutional systems, certainly not by polit politicians, <laughs> certainly not by some institution, it's going to be declared by God's people. And what is it that we're declaring? Those four things, right? Reconciliation has now been given to us. Christmas is not just offering forgiveness of sin, but reconciliation as well. There's a story in the Bible about uh, little man Zacchaeus, right? Remember the story in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 19, I believe. I mean, you can look for it. When 
Zacchaeus saw Jesus coming. Zacchaeus repented. How did we know that Zacchaeus repented? Because he said to Jesus, Look, Jesus, because I have received forgiveness, not only am I going to tell you that I was sorry for what I had done, but I'm going to return twice or ten times, whatever it was, what I have stolen. I will not only repent, I will not only trust in you, but I will give back double of what I have stolen. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, in response to his repentance, Jesus said, I will not only forgive you, Zacchaeus, but I will also go to your house. I will eat with you and I will celebrate with you. That's in the Bible. That's a picture of reconciliation. God doesn't just forgive us of our sins. He also reconciles us. He, he sups with us. He celebrates with us. He is not only with us, but He's going to be in our hearts. Secondly, that rejoicing and gladness. Our joy and gladness are not driven by external factors. They are internal realities. In John chapter 15, verse 11, it says, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that my joy will be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, because the Spirit of God is in us, our joy and our gladness is not lacking. It's complete. Every Christian has complete joy. I didn't say happiness. I said joy. Joy is a supernatural enablement that comes from heaven. It's not a natural phenomenon. Okay? Don't confuse joy and gladness with, with the simple pleasures that, that life brings. You know? Uh, sometimes sometimes we, we confuse these two things. Now, Jesus never promised happiness to anybody. He never did. What he promised is joy and gladness. And he really uh, demonstrated that to us. Okay? These are internal realities for Christians. Uh, Christians should have the, the most uh, visible expressions of joy in their lives. If you see a Christian always frowning, you know, Seems like they always ate something bad the night before. When you see them on Sunday morning, it's like, you know. Look, problems are real. Struggles are real. You know, but I heard a preacher once says that Christians are the only people that can grieve and rejoice at the same time. Because there's an internal reality of the Spirit of God in the inside of us. We're not manufacturing this. We're not faking this. We're not being show-offs to people. But this is an internal reality. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus went to the cross and he died and he suffered on the cross. Not because he felt compassion for the people. Now, that's true. Jesus felt compassion for the world. He loved the world, right? He loved you and I. So he went to the cross. Okay? But that wasn't the motivation that Jesus had. We can also be compassionate to people, right? But Jesus didn't go to the cross and died on the cross because, because he felt sorry for us. Not because he had an obligation to save the world. Not because he felt like this is something that he had to do. Hebrews 12.2 says that he went to the cross 
endured its pain, endured its suffering for the joy that awaited him upon completion of the mission. So even Jesus, even Jesus looked forward to the joy that will result in the suffering that he will have to make. And you and I can relate to that. Many of the things that we're willing to sacrifice for, hopefully we don't sacrifice for the wrong reasons. We sacrifice for God's glory because of the joy that awaits us when we fulfill whatever that is. You know, it's, it's like Black Friday, you know. Like, I, you know. They don't do it anymore because there's so much online shopping. But I've had my share of Black Fridays where you had to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning to line up outside the store, some of you have done that, right? Because you wanted that 80-inch TV, right? You wanted that 80-inch 80, 80 TV. Your eyes are real small, but you like this big TV. I, don't, I can't figure that out. But you're willing to line up, endure the cold, whatever, the elements, for the joy that awaits, <laughs> you know, that awaits you when you finally got that. And every Christian here, every Christian has been promised by God a crown. A reward. That's why we're living this life for. I mean, we're not, you know. The, even the Apostle Paul, he, got, he became a Christian. He, what, what was his motivation for continuing on? Was it simply just because he's a, he has an obligation? Was it simply because he felt sorry for the people like Jesus did? No. Paul says, there awaits for me a crown. There's a reward coming, and I'm doing what I'm doing, not just because, you know, I have that compassion, I have that mercy, I have that grace, I have all of that, but on top of all of that, there's a crown that's awaiting for me. Every Christian should have that mindset. Otherwise, we won't last. You know, the next problem will come, and you know what? We're going to crumble like that floor, you know, because there's a joy that awaits us. It's supernatural joy. And then, of course, there's redemption by grace. This is central to the message of Christmas. We can never earn our way back to God, so we have only two choices, to receive the gift of salvation or to reject it in favor of our own way back to God. And I tell you what, Christians understand this, that our salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. And of course, the last thing about this whole gospel message is the rule of God. The gospel declares that God rules those he redeemed. That's what identifies us as God's people. We are under God's new community where he is our God and we are his people. God have, has always proclaimed that in the Bible. God has always reiterated that, that He rules us. It means that we, get, we don't get to rule. And I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, but we live in a day and age where even Christians are kind of inventing ways uh, to kind of accept everything that happens in the world and adapt Christianity to the world. You know, we shouldn't do that. We, we, we're not called by God to look at what's going on in the world outside and adapt our lifestyles to what the world's doing. When, you know, that's the farthest thing from what this gospel is all about. We're not supposed to adapt to the world. We're supposed to penetrate the world with the light of the gospel. And what is that? The rule of God. When we enter, let me say this again. When we enter the kingdom of God, Jesus rules. He is our king. 
And I, I don't care how much compassion we have for people. But we cannot accept the lifestyle of the world and bring it inside the kingdom of God. And that's what's going on right now. You know, oh, you know, you Christians, you hate, why do you hate people so much? We never hate anybody. We love people. We don't, want, we don't want them to perish. We want them to come into the kingdom of God. That's the role of Christians in this world. The kingdom that Jesus proclaimed, he opened the door wide. We're bringing people in. We tell them about Jesus. And I, 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 I never make any promises to people when I tell them about Jesus, you know. I start with repentance. Can't come in. Unless you're willing to turn over rule of your life to Jesus. You can't come in. No, Jesus says the way is narrow. What am I going to do with that? It's narrow. I wish Jesus says, oh, the door is wide open. No, the message is open to everybody. It's wide open. But the door is narrow. You got to go through Jesus. And the reason behind that is that Jesus rules his people. Jesus was king. Jesus, let me say that again. Jesus is king. Jesus was king even before he was born. He is king when he was born. He was king when they crucified him. He took on the form of a servant, but he never stopped being the king. He was king when he was crucified. He was king when he went up to heaven, when he rose from the dead. He is king now, and he will return as a king. The moral of the story is that Jesus is the king. And the rule of God says, Jesus is the king. Not me, not you. Has nothing to do with mercy, has nothing to do with compassion, has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with who Jesus is. And remember I told you earlier, where is Jesus? Jesus right now is in heaven seated on the throne. And if he's seated on the throne, those of us who are here, what do we do? We still bow to the king because he never stopped being a king, not for one second. He set aside the prerogative when he went and became human being, but he never stopped being a king. So this rule of God is important. The third way we proclaim the glory of Christmas, the glory of Jesus in us, is that is we reach out to the world with it with this message. We reach out to the world with this message. Look at verse uh, 26 and 27. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This Christ in us, the hope of glory message, is not an exclusive message to, uh, to one nation. It's a message that includes everybody in the world. This is our mandate. Anywhere in the world where there are Christians are a direct result of the gospel reaching them through the church, through the word proclaimed by the church. You know what the sad reality is? There are so many people in the world today have not, who have not yet heard the message of the gospel. There are still um, nations today that needed to hear the gospel. I mean, even in this country that we love so much, okay, there are still people who have not yet as much heard of what the gospel is all about. So let alone having them understand what it is. I mean, there are so many Christians even here in America 
uh, that that still don't know the true message of Chris, uh, Christmas or, or being a Christian. Okay, um, I've always wondered. You know, we are the freest country in the world, and we have all the opportunities. You know, of freedom uh, to proclaim the gospel to the world. I mean, we, you know, this can't be said about many other countries, but we have this freedom. You know, we, 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 we not only have the freedom, we have the means to proclaim this message. And yet it seems like when you watch the news, we're not making any difference. <laughs> you know, it's frustrating to me. But that's just me as a human being getting frustrated, but I know God is in charge. But we, as his subjects, we are his people, we need, to, we need to see the value of who we are, where we are. You know, we're responsible for our own generation, you know. I'm not, I, I stopped worrying about, oh, you know, the, 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 gen, the next generation today, they are, you know, just, they're just not getting it and all of that stuff. I stopped worrying about that a long time ago. This is what I know. I'm responsible for my own generation. And you know what? I'm not a young man anymore, and neither are some of you. Okay, I still have a responsibility to proclaim this gospel. But you know what? We better look at the younger generation and we better implant in them what the gospel is because they are going to be responsible for their generation. No longer us. No longer me. You know, my time is passing. But then again, the younger generation, we need, you need to know. You need to know what the gospel is because you're going to be accountable for your generation. And that's why we take the time uh, to, to, to give the word to you. Okay? Nowadays, the gospel is about caring for people. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, all right? You know, we're big. I mean, churches nowadays are going into the social justice thing now. You know, it's big time social justice focus on the gospel. You know, this is about fighting racism. The gospel is about fighting racism. Uh, the gospel is about helping the poor. The gospel is about, you know, taking care of the oppressed. All right? This is about, all of that is good. Christians should go do that. But that's not what the gospel is about. Okay? That's not what the gospel is. The good news of the gospel is not necessarily, oh, you know, Jesus came, came to serve the poor, uh, to have compassion to the blind and all of that. All of that is true about how, what Jesus came. But the, at the heart of the gospel is a transformation of the heart. Proclaiming the gospel, making the church the light. What we're doing right now is we're trying to get the church to be acceptable to non-believers. You know, I mean, the, the, I mean, churches right now popping up left and right. Our focus is about social justice. Got to end racism. Got to end this. Uh, Black lives matter. This thing matters. You know what? Those problems have been in this world since the Garden of Eden. They're obviously not going to go away until God gets a hold of a person's heart and tell that person, I am the king. I'm the one who rules. Until that happens, we can now focus our attention on all of these other things. That's not the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus being the Lord of all. When individual believers recognize that Christ is in them, 
then we will fully understand that the Spirit of God will convince us that we have the only hope in this world. And you know what? If you're walking in hope, if you and I are walking in, in the light of the Spirit, if we're walking filled with the Spirit, people are going to be attracted to that because they know that there's a higher power uh, uh, that we surrender to. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What makes me live that way? That's what makes me live the way I live. And the final word here today is, um, we proclaim the glory of Christmas, the hope of Christmas, the glory of God that that is in us by relying on His wisdom. Between now and we hit eternity, whenever that is for you and I, We need to rely on the wisdom that God has given us. Look at verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Jesus is the power and wisdom of God. You know, 1 Corinthians 1.24 says, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, that Jews and Gentiles, that means everybody, Christ is the power of God. And the wisdom of God. We don't rely on external sources for answers to what ails us in life and to all the things that are wrong in the world. We don't rely on our own solutions. We rely on the wisdom of God. We rely on what God has already said. You know, we just had, uh, you know, this happens all the time, you know. Maybe it's your experience, you know, at the Christmas gathering, you know, of families and all of that. And, you know, we, we, we all gather with families and we all have to, we all have to love our families. And, uh, but many of them we have to tolerate, sadly. But conversations inevitably come uh, in those gatherings and, you know, topics of politics and what's going on in the world. And, you know, uh, I mean, I had this one relative a long time ago who, who keeps steering the conversation on, on some apocalyptic nonsense that he's, you know, he's heard somewhere, you know, he heard some news that, hey, you know, this is the sign of the apocalypse and all of that. Uh, proceeds to, uh, to say things like, uh, you know, all of these earthquakes and all of this stuff. You know, you know the kinds of things that I'm talking about. Uh, there's always Christians who will, you know, stir up the, the conversation towards some, you know, weird kind of theology and all of that. And that's a waste of time. We look to the Word of Christ. We ask Jesus for wisdom. The Bible doesn't teach Anything about, you know, all of these catastrophic things, you know, especially, you know, the thing is either, either Christians are, are, are moving towards such a, a loose uh, view of the events that are going on, meaning, you know, they're trying to come up with solutions to them. You know, like the things that we talked about. Or they're going to veer to the other extreme that says, Hey, you know, this is the sign of the times. These are signs that something catastrophic is going to happen and all of that. You know, as Christians, we, we look to Jesus. What did Jesus have to say about these things? And we can't put in our interpretation on those things. Jesus is the focus of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you think that God is not going to judge this world, think again. But if you think on the other side that God is going to judge the world by destroying it, you also have to think twice. 
I, I don't happen to believe that God is going to destroy his creation. I believe God is not a destroyer. I believe that God is a restorer. He's going to restore things. The Bible says Jesus will, will, will make all things renewed, all things new. You know, so don't, don't get too caught up uh, with, with, with so many noise, so much noise that are going on. We look to Jesus. All I know is that I was a sinner and the grace of God saved me. All I know is that I cannot rule my own life. I need to be ruled by God. God, by His grace, redeemed me, restored me, received me, and reconciled me. That is Christ being the hope of glory. I'm still here. You're still here. Your soul is still here. Hopefully God is speaking to your spirit that you need to worship Him, that you need to refocus. New Year's coming up. What do we really proclaim to people? We proclaim to people that Jesus is truly the only answer that will solve everything in this world. That's what we really proclaim. He's the only hope. We cannot proclaim what's not a reality in us. So let me ask you today, is Christ in you? Is he the hope of glory in your life? If not, you need to receive him today, as so many have done in the past. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 10.30 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.